0: Uh, Again, my name is is Daniel Kavazos. I'm part of the team here, part of the pastoral staff. I get to uh, lead the the ministry at the preschool and the nursery. And uh, I get to share the word with you all tonight. So uh, I'd like to teach on the subject of parenting beyond your capacity. Parenting beyond your capacity. Um, If we can be honest with ourselves, we have a limited capacity to the things that God has called us to do. Would you agree with that statement? Would you agree with parenting, the, the statement that parenting is a calling on your life as parents? And so I believe there is a limited capacity, but I don't think it's a bad thing as long as we tap into uh, what we need to, to parent beyond it. So um, Anna, my wife, is, is, is with me here, and uh, we became parents uh, just as we were about to uh, celebrate two years of marriage. And uh, we, we became parents to our, to our Evelyn And uh, when she was a baby, she was very colicky. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Just very, very colicky, very restless. Uh, We'd put her in the crib and she just would not have it. Um, Many, many, many times, and I stress on on many, we would leave our our home at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. We'd go to our car with a screaming baby and we'd drive around for about an hour because that was the only thing that would soothe her and the only thing that would calm her. And uh, we'd, we'd drive around for an hour. Do you, do you remember? I'm bringing it up. She's, like, got these uh, these memories of, like, <laughs> war back in the day. You know, she's, uh, just talking about it. But we'd go driving around. We'd come back to, the, to our home very, very late, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the nighttime. And we just carefully, very, very carefully pick our Evelyn up and just very quietly just walk into to our home and every door that we'd open is just very quietly. We just on eggshells would go to her crib as if we were handling a live grenade in our arms, you know, and we just put her down and just, you know, ever so quietly, ever so carefully so that she would not wake up because we did not want to have to go out and drive for another hour or so so that we can finally have rest. Um... And so when, you know, I remember when, when, when we found out that we were pregnant with number two, you know, at this point we were thinking, hey, this is how all of our kids are going to be. Maybe it's just our genes or I don't know what it was. But we're like, man, I think we've reached our limit. And we thought every child that we would, would plan on having would, would be like this. And so we're thinking, hey, we, we've reached our capacity. But I remember we, we found out that we were pregnant with our second child who, was, uh, who is now our son Judah. And uh, when we found out we were pregnant, you know, we went to the ultrasound, and, and we got a call back, and they asked for us to come back for a closer ultrasound. And so here we are, Evelyn is, is, is uh, um, two years old at this, at this time, and we find out that my son has heart uh, issues. His heart did not form normally, naturally, completely, so he had actually four, a total of four heart defects where his heart did not form correctly. And so... Uh, the rest of the next year we would spend uh, the majority of that time in the hospital with a critically, in the very beginning, a very critical baby. And so here we are. We have this, this, this really busy child, and now we have another second child and who, is, who, is, who is at the hospital and, and is depending on medical uh, intervention and depending on God's healing. And so now we say, okay, we've reached our, our limit. We've reached our capacity. Well, Judah was about four months old when we found out that Anna was pregnant with our third and so uh when you go through a crisis, two things can happen: either you're going to just tear apart, fall apart, or you're going to come closer together. Let's just say that we got closer together when we were when we were uh just dealing with with the issues and just believing God and and um you know. I can stand up here and just say God is faithful. Our son is now five years old, and he's doing great. You wouldn't think that he had all the issues he had. Uh, but here we are. We had, we had two kids trying to navigate this, and then, you know, we had a third on the way, and it was just so, it, it was demanding on us, and we thought, okay, now we've really reached our limit. We thought with Judah we'd never have kids again. You know, this is just so complicated, so difficult. I remember talking to Anna and just saying this by faith. I remember saying, because Judah was in the hospital, he wasn't doing good, and we found out she's pregnant. I said, "Hey, by the time our baby comes, Judah will be home with us, and he's going to be okay." And uh, you know, that was a faith statement, and and she grabbed a hold of it, and just kind of hope came up. I remember just seeing that, and that was the case. You know, by the time Juliana came, Judah was home, and we were we were at home for the first time as a family. You know. Regardless of, of, of how your parenting you know, started, I, I think we can all say, just like many, many people here today, many parents out here, is that we had a crash course introduction to parenting. You know, there's not really a, a course you can take that is enough and 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 quite frankly, that is not a qualification, that is not a demand to become parents. You just are parents because you want to be, or because out of out of love, and you have you have children now, now you are parents, and now you have to to do the best you can with the best that you know to parent. And I think it's safe to say that that we all have limited capacities when it comes to to, to the call of God on our life. Um, you know, whether you're, it's just an introduction or whether you're trying to navigate now, you know, whether, you know, if your child is older than just a toddler, a teenager, you're still navigating, you're still figuring this thing out because we all face challenges. We all come from imperfect families and that, that affects our families, that affects on how we begin to parent. We've all been hurt. We've all been broken. We've all been confused. We all have weaknesses that we, we have that we struggle with. We've fallen and we all have failed. And we're limited in our own capacity. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you guys heard that scripture before? I think it's, it's interesting here where it says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. That implies that the parenting, the training that needs to happen, that needs to take place, is early on. And logically, that just doesn't make sense. You know, as you think about this, as you study this, you know, you think if you're God and if you were to, to, to kind of roll this thing out and you know that parenting is so important and that training needs to happen, that maybe it should happen from a point and from a place of a mature Christian who's already had some experience, who has gained wisdom and understanding, and then maybe they can then properly train up a, train up a child. But this scripture implies that it's early on. It's, it's when we're young. It's when we are inexperienced. It's when we lack wisdom. It's when we uh, haven't really gotten there yet with our faith. We're still figuring this thing out where, where the Bible says to train up a child in the way that he should go or she should go. And the promise is this, that when you do that at an early age, then they will not depart from it when they are old. And so it implies that it's done at an early age. So here are a couple of things, if you're taking notes, uh, that, that, that I want to share with you regarding parenting beyond your capacity. And number one is this, is to parent beyond your, your capacity, to do this effectively, is you have to tap into relationships. You have to tap into relationships. You by yourself, just you and your spouse, you are limited in what you have to offer. And that is mainly because starting out you lack wisdom and starting out you lack experience. Um, Even if you have four kids, you know, uh, if you have several kids, you know, sometimes you might just kind of believe, well, I've already had two, so, you know, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And and kind of, you know, just say, well, I've done it a few times. so, And that's true to an extent. You know, it's not your first time as a parent. But it is your first time raising two children and one baby at the same time. If you have four kids, it's going to be your first, very first time. And so you lack experience in that, in that regard and in, in that aspect. I think it was uh, Joe McGee who said this. He said, um, you know, by the time you figure out the one-year-old stage, your one-year-old is now two or three. And so you're, like, behind. And by the time you have other kids and you say, okay, I figured out the one-year-old stage for my first child, so I'm going to try to apply what I learned for the one-year-old stage to my second child. Well, then you realize that no two children are completely the same. In fact, they're very opposite. And so what you learned with your first child, you can't really apply for your second child effectively because it's a different person. And they learn differently and they receive differently. And so you have to parent in a different way. And so the number one relationship above all else that you have to tap into as a parent is your relationship with God. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in in heaven and earth is named. Ephesians 3.14, this is the Apostle Paul who was very much a spiritual father to, the, to these churches that he would write to, these churches that he would visit. And, and, and he's about to share this powerful prayer that he, that he prays over this church. But before he shares the prayer about their eyes being enlightened their hearts being inclined to the Lord and, and, and just God pouring the, the revelation of his love and knowledge on them, he says this, he says, I bow my knees to the Father. This spiritual father, Paul the Apostle, as, as this person who has influence in this church, as an authoritative figure, recognizes God as a father and recognizes God as one who is a, a, a God of family. He says, I bow my, my knees to the father. I think it's important to know that as a born again believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have access to his word and you have access to his presence anytime, any place, and for whatever reason. Hebrews 4:15 uh, says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In time of need, what is the first thing that you and I do in time of need? You know, that that, that context of that verse there is when you are in need. You know, it tells us what we can do when we are in need. You know, in in the context of parenting, what is the first thing that we do when our kids are going crazy and the house is upside down? In the context of, of, of being in need as a parent, what do we do when your teenager has pushed you aside and is now questioning their faith with God? In time of need, as a parent, when your child is dealing with insecurities and hurts and pains, what is the first thing that you do? Or when your family is facing a serious crisis, what is it that we do in time of need? Uh, Let me read this from the end because when we read this backwards, I think that we can kind of have a fresh perspective of this. It says, in time of need, we may obtain mercy. How many of you guys want mercy in time of need? I believe that's everybody here. In time of need, we may obtain mercy and we may find grace. And so how do we do that? How do we obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need? It says this right here. So come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need so that you can find mercy, so that you can find favor and grace. How is that possible? And why would we do that, going back to this scripture, backing up, because we have a high priest who's been there, because we have a high priest who has the wisdom, who has the experience, even though we lack wisdom, even though we lack experience, we might be young and we don't know how to do this training thing, but we have access to somebody who is a father, who created the family unit, who is the high priest, and, and it says he knows how to sympathize with our weaknesses. This, uh, our firstborn, Evelyn, you know, she is now seven years old, and, and uh, you know, uh, last year she was in kindergarten, and she was just having a tough time in the class that she was at. And we would get phone calls several times and just saying, hey, Evelyn is having a tough time with her behavior. She's having a tough time with keeping her hands to herself. She's just, and that's affecting her learning. Now, I know that she's only in kindergarten, but as a parent, I'm thinking, man, I'm failing, like, what's going on? Like, what am I? What are we doing so bad, you know? And several times we had to go back and get her from school. And on my way back home, you know, I just kind of took this position of just being so upset and saying, what's going on? Why, why are you not, you know, obeying? And how could you not keep your hands to yourself? And just kind of this natural uh, response to this, to this issue that might not be so serious, but yet if it's left unattended to can become a big problem. And so, you know, we're driving back, and I'm having a serious, stern conversation with my kindergartner and talking to her about obeying and, and, and keeping her hands to herself and, and, and listening to the teacher so that she can learn. And, you know, she's just sitting there, and sometimes she'd cry, and sometimes she'd say, I'm sorry. And then I'd, you know, discipline her and maybe take some privileges away. And then I'd get another call and the same thing. Well, the last time that this happened, I went, went over there, and we're driving back. And I remember, you know, we're driving, and I'm just thinking, obviously this is not working for me to come at it at this angle. You know, she doesn't have the logic, she doesn't have that self-control, and that needs to be developed. And she was sitting in the back in her car seat, and when we got home, we we just stayed in the parking lot, and I invited her to come up to the passenger seat. And we just sat there, her and I, and I just looked over to her, and I said, Evelyn, I said, what's going on, honey? And she looks at me, like if she's an adult, she says, I, I just don't know. <laughs> and I and I said, I said, Baby, do you want to do do you want to ch- do good and you want to obey? She's like, I do, I want to do good, and I want to obey. And I remember that that just broke my heart because it reminded me of me. It reminded me of when I was a kid, and I tried my hardest to do what was right, but it was not natural to me. It was hard for me. And we had this moment where I took that time as an opportunity, that time of need, and we both went into the throne room, and what we did was powerful. Um, I grabbed her by the hand and I said, It's okay, honey. I said, Let's pray. Let's pray that God would help us because we can't do this by ourselves. And we took that moment and we prayed. I prayed and she prayed. And it was the next two days we got a phone call from a school, and this was like in the middle of the year, from a school that we were really wanting her to go to, and they said that they had room, and two days later we were able to make this shift, and it just changed everything. Now, I'm not up here saying that the solution to your child's problems is to change schools or to change environments. Sometimes that might be the case. Sometimes it may not be the case. The point is that in time of need, what is the first thing that we do? And I'm guilty of it, you know, uh, I took this stern father stance and that's needed. But above that is what is the Holy Spirit dropping in on those moments? Because that moment is a time of need, but that moment is an opportunity for the one who is your source, for the one who is the answer to your solutions, whether you have an answer or not, to be able to come in and give you hope and give you direction. And so we were able to do that. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You know, sometimes we think that we have to uh, live a long life to obtain wisdom. And that's not necessarily true according to this scripture. the scripture says that it's the Lord who gives wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. And at any age especially as a parent, you have access to God who is full of wisdom. And though you might not be wise or be considered wise, you have access to wisdom and you can be able to to lean in and be able to receive on what God would have you to give. So not only in this relationship for parenting beyond your capacity with God, not only is he a resource in time of need, not only is he a help, but as you tap into this relationship and as you are in communion with God, you are a better you. You are a better disciple of Jesus Christ. You are a better husband. You are a better wife. You are a better parent. Just by uh, having communion and having communication and, and just focusing on your relationship with God. You have the opportunity to get your, right, your heart right before the Lord. And your mind is continually being renewed. If you are continually uh, growing in your personal uh, faith and your personal pursuit with God, that is going to spill into your everyday life and everything else. How Many of you guys know that 's true, whether you, you are an employee, somebody somewhere, if you, if you are serious and you walk with God and no you 're not perfect, but you, you set aside time and you, you, you see the Word of God as, as, as what it is, as something that is needed, and you 're here and you 're worshiping, and it just go, it goes beyond church and you 're pursuing God in your life, then you are naturally uh, because of that, you are going to become a better parent because you 're becoming a better person. Uh, Of course, I'm not speaking better in value. I don't believe that us here who profess that we are Christians are better than anybody. But I do believe that you will be better in effectiveness. I believe that you will be better in your productivity. You will be better in your effort in regards to parenting. And when you are better, everybody around you is better. And so tap into that relationship with God. Not only is that relationship important, but... Relationships with other people are important in regards to parenting beyond your capacity. You've heard the phrase, You were not made to do life alone. How many of you guys ever heard that? Well, parenting is a part of life. And I will say this that you were not made to parent alone, especially outside of you and your spouse. There are people around you that have different strengths, that have different abilities than you, and people who have parented already. And people who may have already walked through what you are currently walking through. And God will place people around you so that you can be able to tap into that resource and have that help and have that wisdom and have that voice come into you. If you want to parent beyond your capacity, you have to widen your circle of influence. You have your family uh, that you can tap into. You have your friends that you can tap into. And if you have the church that, that can pour into you as parents and also pour into your children. How many grandparents are here today? Would you raise your hand nice and high? Can we just honor the grandparents in here, everybody? I, I want to say that I don't think I would be up here today. And I most certainly would not be the husband that I am and the father that I am without my grandmother. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a product of a, of a single-parent home. A mom, one of five, raising us with everything that she can, paycheck to paycheck. Um, and most of my family, didn't, I know I didn't, I didn't grow up in the church. You know, my family doesn't serve Jesus yet. Because I'm still praying and God is, is good and he's hearing our prayers. But... Um, it was my grandmother who who really had that 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 faith that really changed the course of my life. Uh, my family has always been supportive, and they've, they they see what I do. They know what I do. My mom loves it, and she she supports me, and she, she's always she's always done that. My family has always done that. Um, but in, in fact, when I, when I went to Bible school, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm from Washington State. So I drove, when I was 18 years old, I drove from Washington State all the way to the state of Oklahoma. I remember telling my parents, I said, hey, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm called to, to preach. I'm going to go to Bible school. And she's like, okay, <laughs> uh, what does that mean, you know? And so I, I had to explain to my mom what I felt called to do. And, and of course, she supported me and she supported that. Um, while I'm driving out of state, you know, I had a, I had a pickup truck, a, a 1990 Chevy, uh, half-ton, uh, 1500. And, and I'm driving. The moment I leave the state, I start having problems. And, 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 and so I, I fix a couple things and I keep driving. Well, in the state of Wyoming where I don't know anybody and I barely know where I am outside of just knowing where I am on the map, my truck completely breaks down. Completely breaks down. And I had, you know, at this point, I had already done some repairs. So I'm, I'm losing money. I didn't plan on spending. And I'm in a place where I'm not spend, uh, planning on staying very long because you have to, you know, with hotels and stuff. I didn't have the finances for that. I remember calling my family and saying, hey, this is what's going on. Here's the advice that my family gave me. They said, ditch the truck in the field and use the rest of the money to come back home with a one-way ticket. <laughs> that sounds harsh and that sounds mean. But... I'm not dissing my family. They were, they were looking out for me, you know, with what they understood. They were saying, hey, you're in the middle of nowhere. Just come home. And, and we're, you know, we're going to wait for you home. But long story short, I didn't ditch the truck and God made a way where there was no way. It was, it was nothing short of a miracle. But it was my grandmother who instilled to me that there is a God who can do the impossible. It was my grandmother that instilled to me to never, never give up no matter what. No matter what you're facing. It was my grandmother that instilled to me that when you dare step out to follow God and to pursue the God call on your life, that there will be opposition. But that doesn't mean that God is not with you. And as a result, here I am today. Here I am to say that God is faithful, God is good, and, and, and he can make a way. Why, why is that? Why well, I believe because there are people... There were voices outside of just my parents who had an influence in my life. And I want to tell you here tonight, grandparents, you have that voice. Uncles and aunts and cousins, family members, you have that voice. Um, There's nobody that has the influence and the impact the way a parent does for their child. Don't get me wrong. But different seasons sometimes call for different voices in your children's life. And if your child can have a different voice that's going to be saying the same thing, but coming from a different person, that's powerful. If your child can know that there is safety in, the, in, the, in family, that they can come to somebody. They might not feel comfortable to say it here, but they can say it there. As long as it's being said, that's parenting beyond your capacity. That is tapping into people who are, who are around you. People who can, who can, who can give a, a, a voice of wisdom and a voice of encouragement, a voice of hope for you and for your child. And so we have, to, we have to tap into these relationships. Here's number two, is if you want a parent beyond your capacity, is you have to think bigger story and not better picture. You have to think bigger story. God is doing something bigger than just trying to paint a pretty picture and a better picture here and now. Uh, we all have a perception of what a good family should look like. Sometimes that's... The way you were raised or the way you weren't. The way some of your friends, your close friends were raised. Sometimes that's what the media will show us and teach us. We watch that movie. We see a man falls in love with this girl. And then they have a wonderful family. And there's a crisis. But then everything's awesome and they live happily ever after. And so we have this like perception. We have this image of what a good family looks like. Uh, Like my, my children... Uh, I, I obey all the time or, you know, I come, I have mom and dad and here's, here's my two children. It's just this amazing image of family. But that's just, not, that's just not the case. The reality is that family can be very messy sometimes. And the reality is that parenting can be very difficult. But it's not, parenting is not about being clean all the time. And parenting is not about figuring out ways to make it easy all the time. Here's the difference between better picture and bigger story. Better picture thinking says that we need to have it all together. A.K.A. you come into church, your kids are fighting, there's arguing in the car, you walk in and you have to pretend like nothing's happening and everything's all great and you walk in and you're like, hey, be quiet, be quiet, we're going to church. And then you're smiling and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. But really you're not doing good. You just spanked your kid on the way to church. But nobody has to know that because that's not, that's not, you know, better picture. Better picture says you have to have it all together. That, that you can never have this, you know, messiness or this incomplete feeling while you're parenting. But bigger story says that there's a process to get to where we need to be. And during that process, it might not be complete, but we're heading somewhere. Yeah, my, my children were fighting on the way to church, but I got to trained them in that, in that time. I, got to, I had to lay down the law, but we, there was some teaching that happened. There was some authority that, that took its place. And we came in, and we don't have to lie about it. Yeah, you know, hey, we're doing all right. My, my children are fighting, but hey, we're here. And that's a blessing. And, and, and really, you know, parents, so many times, and I, I'm guilty of this, we think that everybody is looking with a magnifying glass, just making sure that none of that's happening. But that's not true. How I many of you guys know that's not true? The truth is that everybody's glad that you're here. It doesn't matter how you got here. The fact is that you're here. Better Picture says it's about what others think. And so I have to paint a, a pretty picture for the world to see. But Bigger Story says our family is a potential platform for God to demonstrate his story of love and redemption. And sometimes that doesn't look pretty, but that's real. And sometimes that doesn't look great for everybody else, but that's hope for everybody else. And God can do something with that. If you want to parent beyond your capacity, you have to shift your thinking from from better picture to bigger story. The influence that you have as a parent has everything to do with your relationship with them. You know, I think that uh, we can get it messed up. When we, when we put our skill set before our relationship in parenting, then we can come to a conclusion that we're failing as parents. I'm going to say that again. When we put our skill set, like the ability to parent, the ability to have things in control, you know, this false perception of parenting. When we put that skill set before our, our influence in our relationship we have, then we can come to a false conclusion And say that we're failing as parents. But I'm going to tell you this. That your purpose is not to become an expert parent. I just feel like you can just put that weight off of you. Like my my, my purpose as a parent is not to become an exceptional parent. But it is to transfer your faith into your children. That is the purpose of parenting. It's to leave a legacy of faith. It is to to impart your faith into your children so that one day they can have that faith that you have and even greater. And that has far more to do with relationship than it does with skills. I think that's why Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that he he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I think that verse, I think that's why that verse is true. is because even in your inexperience... Even in your faults, even in your weaknesses, you can still train. You can still train. Sometimes you think you have to have it all together to be able to train. But the truth is that you can still be figuring things out. From a sincere heart, you're following Jesus and you're you're, you're tapping into what God has for you. In those moments, you can still train because you are limited when you train, in your training, when you try to teach only your children not to fail. I mean, that's a good thing, but that's a limited in your training. It's even greater, and you enhance your training when you teach your children how to respond to failure. Because the truth is that we will all fail. And it's a powerful thing when your children see some failure in your life, and they see that you're human, that you're normal, that you don't have it together, you're not perfect. And it's even more powerful when they see you respond in a godly way to failure. That imparts to them something greater than teaching them not to fail. Proverbs twenty four sixteen says this, it's the godly who may trip seven times, but they will get up again. It's powerful when your children see you get up after you fall. Shifting your thinking this way will take off unnecessary pressure and it will help you love your children in the process. It will help you... From, from saying this, that is, that is not a healthy saying to say, man, I can't wait till we get to a certain age so I don't have to deal with this age. Like, I can't wait till our kids are out of diapers. And then you finally get out of diapers. You're like, man, I can't wait till my kids are in school. And then you finally get into school. And like, I can't wait till my kids stop talking back to me and you finally start talking. And you're like, man, I wish I could have my children back. <laughs> because you're parenting from this point of better picture parenting to where it's like you're just caught up in the moment and you're not seeing the process you're not seeing the bigger picture and when you're missing that perspective then you're not enjoying the moment and the time and the season and the stage of parenting and when you're not enjoying it when you're not seeing it then you're limiting your capacity of what God can do even in your weaknesses even in the faults of your children uh, God can do mighty things where there is a, a, a limited capacity. I think that's why uh, he, he specializes in taking what the world thinks is foolish, what the world thinks is weak, what the world thinks is dumb and, 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 and unwise. And he, and he puts his hand on these things. He puts his hand on us and he glorifies himself through that. So that it's without a shadow of a doubt that it's God who's working in this. Um. When, when you when you have this better or bigger picture mentality, uh, you shift to to really reminding yourself of what you have before you. Uh, we have to remind ourselves a lot of times that our, our children are not adults. <laughs> like Judah is five; he's not forty. And and we, we 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 you know we say, man, like, hey, didn't we already teach you this? Like, didn't we already tell you this? And you're doing it again. And so it's like, okay, he's five; he's five years old. It's okay that we have to repeat ourselves. Like sometimes we don't want to repeat ourselves, but sometimes that's necessary. In fact, uh, we teach our team in the nursery and the preschool, we teach them that there are three principles that are needed with effective children's ministry. And I believe that ministry goes beyond the church. So I'm going to share these three things with you as parents. And number one is that if you want to effectively minister to children is that you have to keep it simple. You have to keep it simple for children. Um, in the nursery, in the preschool, we teach them a lesson, but we're not going to stand before three-year-olds and do an expository lesson and bring out the creek and do some hermeneutics about the Word of God. We're not going to do that because it's not going to connect with them. It's it's too complex. It's too difficult. It's too deep. We're going to keep it simple. And when you keep it simple, uh, the, the Word of God is so deep, yet it is so simple in in essence. But yet so powerful. And even in the simplicity of the word of God, it still can accomplish God's will. So number one is keep it simple. Number two is repetition. Repetition. Like if you want children to learn, you have to repeat yourself a lot of times. Not only do you have to repeat yourself, but you have to come at it at different angles. And so we, we do different lessons. We do different songs. We do different activities and crafts that are actually saying the same thing. You know, we're, we're saying the same thing, just a different method. And so if you want to effectively disciple your child and parent your child, know that you will have to repeat yourself and you will have to do it in a different, in a different angle. And the truth is, sometimes we need repetition as adults, right? Sometimes I ask, Anna, hey, where was this thing at? And she'll tell me and then I'll go and be like, wait, what did you, you say? Was it, where is it at again? And she's like... Okay, I'm having to re- repeat myself with you and not just with our kids. But repetition is not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. And number three is it's engagement. Engagement. If you want to effectively disciple your child, if you want to effectively, you know, uh, uh, minister to your child, then you know that it's going to include you. It's going to include you. It's going to include your heart. It's going to include yourself. It's going to include you hands on. Uh, There's a statement that I I read not too long ago um, from a book I was reading about parenting and and just kind of one of these things that he says that he wish he would have known before and and this was it. He said, I wish that I would have known that the amount of time, the quantity of time does not equal the quality of time. Just because we're around each other doesn't mean that we're having impactful quality time. So it's going to require engagement. It's going to require us to give of ourselves. It's going to require us to, 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 to be everything we are for them. And how many of you guys know that children pick up on who you are more than what, what you say? Amen. I mean, you might be a person of very few words, but be a person of integrity and a person who loves and fears God. And they will see that, I promise. And that will be imparted to them. And it will be way more powerful than any lecture that you can give them. And so how do, we, how do we do this? How do we do bigger picture? I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to close with this, that you keep the end in mind. You keep the end in mind. And the end is this, knowing that your purpose is to impart Faith into your child. That your purpose as a parent is to live for God with everything you are. And you don't have to be a perfect parent to do this. That's why you can train at an early age as a parent. You can do this even in the midst of failure, in the midst of weaknesses, in the midst of wherever you are. As long as you come at it with your, a sincere heart and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm proposing to serve God. I'm proposing this statement like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as you do that, I promise that God will use it and he will bring that faith that you are imparting to your children in a supernatural way beyond your capacity. Would you just stand uh, to your feet with me? 2 Timothy 1.5 is an amazing scripture. Paul is commending Timothy, but really he's commending Timothy's mother and his grandmother. He says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That word genuine means unhypocritical. It means a genuine faith is a sincere, real faith. I think that as a parent, those are some words that we'd like to hear. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus, somebody saying, I see that there is a genuine faith in you. Not only do I see that there's a faith in you, but this is that same faith that I saw in your, in your mother and in your grandmother. I believe there's a principle of transferring your faith in God and, 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 and allowing God to do that in you. And my prayer is that as you endeavor to parent, as you endeavor to strive and live for God, that this would be a statement over your children. I'd like to pray over you uh, tonight before we're dismissed. Would you just bow your head and, and close your eyes. Well, Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your spirit. Father, as I read this scripture about Timothy, what Paul mentioned about Timothy, Father, I just pray that that resounds in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that that would be something that comes to our minds as we navigate through this thing called parenting. Pray, Jesus, that you would just enhance our, 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 our ability to tap into the relationships that you've placed around us. That in time of need, we'd come straight to you, Lord, and not wait as the last resort. I pray, Father, that you would just allow us and help us to shift our thinking and allow you to do what you do best, to bring freedom, to bring life, to bring your spirit and your presence. I pray, Lord, over these parents. I pray over these grandparents, these families. I pray, Jesus, for your wisdom, your favor, and I pray for confidence and boldness that we can just come speak to you with whatever matter we have. In Jesus' name.